Today's reading is from 1 Philippians verses 19 to 26. If you've got the Red Bible, it's on page 1823. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your ongoing progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Thanks so much for reading, Jade. Um, as Ben said, my name's Johnny. I'm one of the members here at Barney's, and I'm going to be uh, talking us through and helping uh, understand this passage today. To help us get started, though, I've got two questions for you. They should be on the screen. And I'm going to give you two minutes to talk with the person next to you. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? And what do you want to achieve in your life now? Ready, set, go. All right, your time is up. Bring it back together. (laughs) I am uh, excited to hear what everyone wanted to be when they grew up. I'm sure you're all wondering what I wanted to be when I was a child. I wanted to be a canteen manager. So it gives an insight, yes, into what I was passionate about as a child. I was a, I was a child who didn't get much sugar when I, until I hit school, and then it was just I was the kid who at parties wouldn't wouldn't be playing the game because I'd be at the chip bowl just eating all the chips because I never got chips at home. And I think I, I don't have a very good memory, but I think my friend, his mum worked at the canteen. And I always saw him like getting to skip the line and getting free stuff. And I thought if I was the manager, then I'd get all the sugar. (laughs) So as a kid, uh, my desire to get lollies was so strong, it shaped my goal in life. Uh, I wonder whether you can see in your desire as a kid, whether that shaped kind of what you wanted to be. I was talking with a, a little girl at work the other day, and I asked her what she wanted to be, and she said, an anaesthetist, because my friend told me they make the most money, which may be true, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's very easy to see how your desires can shape what you want to be and what you want to do. And I wonder when you think about what you want to achieve with your life now, uh, what desires can you see shaping that goal? In the second half of Philippians, Chapter 1, Paul is contemplating what might happen if he dies. And he kind of pulls back the curtain and shows us what he desires in his life. And he challenges us to think more deeply about what we desire and how we let it shape our life. 
Please pray with me as we get into the Bible. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for giving Paul your spirit and equipping him to live his life desiring you and living for you. Thank you that he wrote this letter. and I ask that your Holy Spirit would be working through me and in us all as we seek to understand you better. Amen. So I've titled this talk, Understanding Gospel Desire. Um, You'll see an outline in the leaflet that you got. Uh, We're going to go through three of Paul's desires that come out. The first, that Christ would be exalted in his body. The second, my numbers all went to one, as you can see, so don't be distracted. (laughs) Uh, That he desires to be with Christ. And the third, that others would exalt Christ too. And then we're going to spend some time uh, thinking about what this shows us about our desires and how we can deepen our desire. So first point, Paul desires that Christ would be exalted in his body. Last week, Nick, Nick preached on Philippians 1, 12 to 18. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to have a listen back to the recording. It was really encouraging. Nick challenged us to not be concerned or worried by the changes we see happening on a global level in the church or at a local or personal level because God's gospel plan is invulnerable. When it looks like God's plan is failing, it's easy to doubt God's control or power or care. But God is in control and his gospel will go out as he intends. Nick defined the gospel for us. Um, as the story of Jesus' life, which we're memorizing uh, in Philippians 2, that Jesus, being God, humbled himself to become a man. He suffered as a man, died on the cross for our sake, and God raised him up from the dead, and he's living now, exalted as Lord. So, in verse 18, Paul is rejoicing because the gospel is going out. And then in verse 19, he starts a new thought. He says, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and Christ's spirit, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be be ashamed. It kind of sounds like Paul is saying, don't worry, Philippians. I know that I will be rescued. The Philippians might have thought, hooray, he's been promised a release date. Or, well, it's good that Paul hasn't given up hope yet of being rescued. Maybe God will get him out of prison. Uh, You can read in Acts 16 about when Paul first got to Philippi and he and Silas were put in prison and there was a big earthquake and that unlocked their shackles. Um, So the Philippians would know about that and they might be hoping for God to free Paul again through some supernatural event. But this doesn't really makes sense with what Nick was talking about last week. Nick told us that the story in Acts leads up to Paul being in prison in Rome, about to be put before Caesar. Paul is expecting to be there. So what does Paul mean to turn out for his deliverance? As he continues in verse 20, we see his first desire. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. 
Paul is not talking about deliverance from prison or joy in escaping from suffering. Paul says his desire in life or death is that Jesus will be exalted in his body. For the Philippians, they may have looked at Paul's situation and thought it was shameful. He's in prison and could be put to death. But because Paul's desire in life is for Christ to be exalted, his idea of honour and shame is based on what happens to Jesus, not what happens to him. This is how Paul can say that he won't be ashamed because he desires to exalt Christ. But what does that mean for Christ to be exalted in his body? This is something that I have learnt in the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing this. Um, And exalt means to lift up, literally. And it's a little bit helpful, but also a bit confusing. So I have a video for us to understand this a bit better. bit abrupt, sorry. <laughs> uh, what a great movie. So Rafiki, the monkey, he exalts Simba. He holds him up. Um, and the goal is kind of two things. Um, I think the first goal is very clear in the clip. It's to honour this new prince, the son of the king, in front of all of the people who are under his power. Um, it's to honour Simba. Uh, But the second part of it is so that everyone can see the baby. The baby's very small. Um, And he goes out on the rock and holds him up so that everyone can see in more detail uh, what, what Simba is, that they can see the baby. Paul uses the word exalt to capture both these ideas. In his life, he wants people to see Christ. And he expects that as people see Christ properly, it will lead them to honour him. Some other versions of the Bible use the word magnify, um, and it's exactly the same idea. And when I first heard the term magnification in a church sense, I thought it meant um, to make something appear bigger, to make God appear bigger, but it didn't really fit, so I never used it. Um, But... I think putting it together with exalt, it makes sense that a magnifying glass, the purpose is not to make it bigger, the purpose is to see it more clearly. So if you have a look at this lovely sunflower, um, you can see it. But then when you use a magnifying glass, you can see it more clearly. It doesn't change the nature of the sunflower, it's exactly the same thing. But as you understand in more detail what it is, I think you can see that it's more beautiful afterwards. This is what Paul desires in life and death, 
to reveal more and more of who Christ is to the world around him. It's the fruitful labor that he talks about in verse 22. He's confident that in how he lives, people will know Jesus, and that if he died, it would lead people to know Jesus too. So that's our first point. Paul desires that Christ would be exalted in his body. The second desire Paul has is to be with Christ. We now get to the big, weighty statement that you're probably familiar with, the climax of this section of Philippians. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Having unpacked what it means for Paul to live his life, wanting to exalt Christ, to make him known, the to live is Christ part makes sense. Paul is convinced that how he lives will hold Christ up to the people around him. But how can he say to die is gain? In verse 23, he says, My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. How can Paul say this? Paul can truly say he desires to be with Christ because he deeply knows the person Jesus Christ. I think uh, when you think about the statement, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, and you think about examples maybe when you might have felt that way, um, it's easy to think it's just an escape from suffering. Um, but Paul is not depressed. He's not overwhelmed by his life circumstances, crying out to God to come and take him up to heaven so that the suffering will end. The appeal of death for Paul is not nothingness. Uh, it's not even some of the common images that we think of of heaven, of a banquet with lovely food or a beautiful, peaceful garden. The appeal for Paul is the person Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian, I think this is the key to understanding what Christianity is about. It's not about doing good things so you get a reward in an afterlife. It's about relationship with Jesus that starts in this life and is made perfect in the life to come. Can I encourage you, if you're investigating Christianity, start with getting to know who Jesus is. Read the story of his life in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and take time to understand who he is. This is how Paul can say to live is Christ and to die is gain, because he has a deep personal relationship with Jesus. If Paul lives, he'll continue to live making Christ known. And if he dies, he will be face to face with Christ forever. So, Paul desires that Christ would be exalted. He desires to be with Christ. And finally, Paul desires that others would exalt Christ too. Have a look at verse 25. He says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. The natural flow-on effect of Paul knowing Christ is for him to desire for others to know Christ too. And the fruit that Paul sees from someone understanding who Jesus is, so as he exalts Christ to others and they understand who Jesus is, they see him more clearly, the fruit is that they also begin to boast in who Jesus is too. 
And this is what Paul uh, finds joy in. Uh, he finds joy in seeing others lifting Jesus up because he's convinced of how good it is to know Jesus and to live for him. Uh, I don't know about uh, your experience, but um, for me, growing up in a Christian family and then uh, starting at school and having youth leaders and then at uni in ES, having ES leaders, uh, I often had older Christians investing time and energy, um, exalting Christ to me and encouraging, my, encouraging me in my faith. But as I've gotten older, I've found those relationships a lot easier to lose and a bit harder to start. But Paul sees his role in the Philippians' life as necessary. He says in verse 24, it's more necessary... Ooh, where'd I go? I don't have it on there, sorry. But he says, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And then later in Philippians... He says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So Paul sees his role for the Philippians and the role of older, mature Christians as essential to the maturing of the Philippian church. So, Those are the three desires that Paul has. He desires that Christ would be exalted. He desires to be with Christ. And he desires that others would exalt Christ too. And you can see that they're all connected to Paul's deep relationship with Jesus. Christ is everything to Paul. He is his greatest love. He's the Lord of his life. Paul's life is all about Christ. He wants to give his life to see Christ exalted. And he knows his death would mean the supreme joy of being with Christ in heaven. That's how he can say, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if you're a, uh, as a, as a Christian, uh, you might hear what Paul says and think, that's not me. I believe the gospel that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. But I don't feel like Paul feels. I don't feel like saying, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. When I first read uh, this part of the Bible, as I was preparing the sermon, and as I've continued to read it and reflect on it, this is the tension that I've wrestled with that I don't often feel like saying, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My desires are mixed up. Even in the prep time, um, there were times when I was reading this and I was feeling excited and the time would go quickly and I'd be writing and thinking, completely absorbed by it. Um, But other times I was wanting to flick over and watch the football game that was on. Uh, or I was looking out the window and thinking, oh, I really need to prune those roses. They still are not pruned. Um, but for Paul, uh, his desires shape his attitude and actions in every aspect of his life. At the start of the talk, I asked you the question, what do you want to achieve with your life? What does this say about your desires? 
Do you want to have a successful career? Work hard. Make a positive change in the world or help the people around you? Do you want to raise a loving, happy family? Or maybe care for your parents and honour them with how you live? These are good things. And I don't want you to think that the only way you can exalt Christ is to become Paul and go on a missionary journey. Part of exalting God is to hold out or exalt his values. Values like caring for the vulnerable, loving others at cost to yourself, working hard. But often our goals in life come from a different desire, a desire for security or for approval from others or maybe to give your life a meaning or a purpose. At Barney's, we have four key activities that we encourage all our members to engage in. The four Gs, gather, grow, give, and go. And under the give section, we talk about giving of your time, your treasure, and your talents. In your DNA groups this week, that could be a helpful way to unpack with each other what desires are shaping your decisions. How do you spend your time, your treasure, your money, and your talents? When you have to make decisions that impact on these things, what directs your thinking? Ben's explained for us a few times the the two trees or the fruit-to-root model. Um, The idea that that's getting at is that what's going on in our hearts, our desires, that affects everything we do. As a church, we're going to continue thinking about this next week uh, as Paul continues in the letter to the Philippians and encourages them to live a life worthy of the gospel. That was diagnosing our desires. Now thinking about deepening our desire. What do we do if we find, like I did, that our desires are mixed? I want to be clear that uh, it's not a matter of salvation. Paul says in Romans 10, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That is all that is required to be saved. In this letter to the Philippians, Paul wants them to continue in their faith. He's encouraging and urging the Philippians to press on, to grow, to deepen their desire to know Christ better and to exalt him more. So for us, when we look at what Paul says and we want to feel like he does, but it feels like it's out of our control to change our feelings, what do we do? How do we grow our desire for Christ? I've got three uh, quick ideas But just as an aside, um, when I was talking with Ben about it a bit closer to the day than I could to actually action this, um, he was talking about a book by John Piper called Desiring God. Um, I've heard about it, but I haven't read it. Uh, Ben tells me that it unpacks this question in a lot more detail and was formative for him in his understanding of this topic. So I'm going to read it. Hold me to that. Uh, and I wonder if that's something you could think about doing as well. There's a free PDF. I found it last night, so yes. Um, 
So the three quick points uh, for how we can grow our desire for Christ. The first is to pray for it. John Piper says, reflecting on his journey with this question, there was only one hope, the sovereign grace of God. God would have to transform my heart to do what a heart cannot make itself do, namely want what it ought to want. Only God can make the depraved heart desire God. Only God can make the depraved heart desire God. So that's the first step for us. And the constant step along this process is to ask God. Ask him to give you a heart that desires him. Make it a reflex when you recognize desires in your life that you don't want to confess them to God and to ask him in his goodness to help you desire him. Paul knows this. Um, He prays for the Philippians in chapter 1 earlier. He asked that God would make their love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And this leads into the second way that we can grow, and that's to know Christ. We may not be able to choose our desires, but we can choose to get to know Christ better. The previous sermon series we've had for the last couple of months has been on the heart of Christ. It's a clear way for our church to understand better who God is. If you're keen to take a practical step to get to know Jesus better, you could listen back to the sermon series, or you could read the book that Ben mentioned, Gentle and Lowly, by Dane Ortland. One thing that I've been struggling with uh, as our family's gotten bigger is having single-minded quality time with God. I feel like my brain is always in like three places at once. Um, I'm thinking about too many things and it doesn't, yeah, it's hard to find that quality time. Uh, But it has been a real blessing um, to be forced to have quality time with God as I've prepared for this sermon. Um, And it's challenged me to revisit again uh, what we talked about on church camp earlier in the year. How are the rhythms of your life set up to allow space for rest and renewal? In those spaces, how can you deepen your knowledge of who God is? And thirdly, third way that we can grow in our desire for God is to find a Paul and be a Paul. Uh, So Paul believes, like I said earlier, that it's essential for Christians to have other mature Christians in their lives to exalt Christ to them, to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. So have a think, who in your life is a Paul to you? Whose life do you look at and understand better who Jesus is? Can I encourage you to keep your eyes on them? Spend time with people like this. Ask them questions about the decisions they make and let them exalt Christ to you. I realized, like I said, that those relationships are a lot harder to find as you get older. Um, And two years ago, I uh, intentionally asked um, an older Christian to mentor me. And that has been a real blessing, just to have someone one-on-one spending time with me, praying for me, encouraging me in my walk with Jesus. And on the flip side, who in your life could you be a Paul to? 
Who can you spend time with, encouraging them as they get to know Jesus better? Who can you share your life with so they can see who Jesus is, demonstrated in your life, and exalt him because of you? Paul says both of these relationships are part of us seeking to know Jesus better and to joyfully exalt him. So please pray that God would continue to provide both of these for you. We're going to finish there, um, but I'll give you a minute in quiet to have a look at your notes or read through the outline. Let God prompt you to know what next step might be, what the next step for you might be to grow in gospel desire. After a minute, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read a psalm together to finish. So I'll give you a minute, and then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for Paul's ongoing desire to know you more and to hold you up to the people around him. Thank you that he has now seen you face to face. Lord, please, through your Holy Spirit, prompt us to know what the next step might be for us to know you better. I pray that you would be exalted through our church community and our relationship with you would continue to shape our desires and our decisions. Holy Spirit, please change our hearts to desire you. As we read this psalm, I pray that these words would be something we want to feel. Follow along with me on the screen, I think, yeah. Um, We'll say this together. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Amen.